Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. So, as you know, I'm trying to grow this podcast and have more listeners and more followers. That's kind of my goal for 2023. You can help out uh, quickly and easily. All it takes is a five-star review on whatever platform you're tuning in on, there's, this show is syndicated out to about 10 or so different podcast hosting sites like Spotify, Podbean, Apple Music, Google, whatever. After you listen to the episode, click the five star. I don't even think you, there's an option to leave words as feedback, so that's entirely not necessary. That will feed those algorithms and they'll be super happy. And then people searching things like autism or Asperger's or left of normal, will be able to find this show. So last week, we took a look at what I kind of like to call brain hacks. These are situations that we all get into. And unless we really understand what's going on, we can tend to get stuck in them. It's called the Zeigernik effect. Uh, and it, how it, I talked about how it relates to procrastination. Then I gave some ideas on how to use to-do lists in order to complete these tasks, or at least let our brains think that the task is completed. Doing so brings closure and helps us to relax and focus on the next topic at hand. If you didn't get a chance to listen, it's a great way to, top it, to tap into the logical and structured mind and ultimately get more things done. This week, I want to take a look at a couple of ways many of us were encouraged as children and even as adults and why the words we heard ultimately set us up for failure instead of the success that we thought was being instilled in us. Now, I'll let you and then I'll let you in on how my left of normalness affects this. And now 30-ish years later, things don't feel quite right, and probably still won't feel quite right 30 years into the future. Now, if you follow along with the Facebook community or you see my posts on other social media platforms, this week we're talking about praise and how most of the time it's just given incorrectly. Now, I do have a great resource that I'll recommend to anyone with children or anyone that interacts with people, so that's generally most of us. And then I'll fill you, I'll let you in on that as soon as I tell my stories here and tell you kind of how this process works. So growing up, I was often praised for being smart. Kudos were given to figuring things out and accolades were heaped upon me when I did well in school or other academic settings. I'm, I'm not saying this to brag, it's just how it was. And if you're a parent, you probably do the same thing with your child. Even if your kid is, how should I put it nicely, stupid, you do this. Why? Because that's what we have been taught to do. We have been taught that when someone does something well, we encourage them in order to boost their confidence so that they keep doing things well, especially if it's a pro-social thing that is uh, opposite of the bad things we want them to do. 
The problem is, however, this can tend to backfire. Suppose you have little Scott, who is blowing away these math problems left and right. You give him two numbers, and he gives you the sum of those two numbers. And so you praise him. You're like, wow, Scott, you're so smart. You're really good at math. And that sounds innocent enough. But when, we pray, but when someone is praised on their abilities, they begin to think those abilities no longer need refined or strengthened. So then when little Scott gets into some harder math that he can no longer do in his head, he suddenly loses all these accolades that were thrown his way. And now instead of being praised for being really good at math, he's all of a sudden not praised for anything at all because he's struggling with math and he's or he's just doing what is expected of someone his age. So when you work really then when he works really hard on something, when you work really hard on something, and nobody notices when you do it, how does that make you feel? It's almost as if you used to get all this attention and people loved what you did, and now nobody really cares anymore and you're not good at it anymore. And you're not, you start transferring those feelings over and you're not really good at anything anymore. So when we praise someone for their abilities, they start to believe that those abilities will never wane. And then when things get hard, they're now in this conundrum that they have to live up to the abilities that they were praised for or else worry about disappointing the praiser. And this will often lead to cheating and lying and manipulating so that they continue to receive the praise that they're expected, uh, that they expect and they desire. Okay, so a little more of a real-life example here. When I was younger, I loved to play baseball. I loved all things baseball, from collecting baseball cards to watching it on TV to playing for the local Little League. And I was never really the best player on the team, but I was generally top 10, 15%. And I was given a lot of praise from coaches and parents about how well I did and how I how good of a ball player I was. And that went until about fifth grade when I was moving from the minors to the majors. So here in Billings, there was minors and majors kind of divided out the little kids. After that, it became juniors and seniors on up to like college level. So you could try out for majors when you were in fourth grade, but unless you were just this spectacular athlete, you'd Real, nobody really made majors in fourth grade. Uh, it was generally the fifth and sixth graders that were on this on these teams. I'm pretty sure I tried out in fourth grade. I didn't make the team. And then the next year, I tried out again, and I did make it. But all of a sudden, I went from the minors where anybody got to play to majors where you had to try out. And I wasn't this awesome ball player anymore. And now all those people who had praised me were sitting there shaking their heads at all the wasted compliments they had given me over the years. And I, I quickly went from the top 10% of the team right around middle of the pack. I wasn't bad, but I wasn't good. I was just average. And so fifth grade was the last year I played baseball. It wasn't fun anymore because I wasn't good anymore and I wasn't getting the praise and encouragement that drove me forward. 
But would I have continued if I had received better praise or encouragement? Who knows? Probably not. There were a lot of other things going on at that time. But had parents or coaches praised my effort and encouraged me to keep practicing, aim better, hit harder, etc., etc., and so on and so forth, that would have instilled that the work and the tenacity is what's awesome. The outcome, or the ability to play ball well, is just a byproduct of doing the right thing and doing the fun thing. So when you're looking at your kids, whether they are left of normal or not, focus on how hard they're trying. Encourage them to keep going, keep putting in that effort, and when it comes easy, that's a sign that they should practice even more. For me, it wasn't entirely praises and accolades, though. One of the most annoying things I heard a lot, and a lot of people, a lot of high achievers hear it, was along the lines of, you have so much potential, or you're going places, or you could be anything you wanted to be, you can do anything you set your mind to. And over and over, this so-called compliment was thrown my way as I was growing up. You're going to be such a great success. You're going to do great things. You're going to change the world. It was largely due to the fact that I did well academically. I studied and learned the material that was presented to me because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. You pay attention, you take notes, you read the books, and then you do well on the tests. And because it was lined out and this is what you're supposed to do, it didn't really click to me that there was any other option than to take notes, pay attention, and do well on tests. Now, if you scroll all the way back to episode six, I talk about how I finished up fifth grade, skipped over sixth grade, and went right into seventh. Now, there were some unique circumstances surrounding that. Part was I attended a small private school where I, and where I went, uh, the curriculum for the sixth grade the following year was going to transition to a different style. And then part of it was I was so far ahead in fifth grade that I had essentially done sixth grade work already. So because sixth grade was changing curriculum, if I had gone right to sixth grade, I would have spent that entire year doing the same work I had just done the year before. So rather than just essentially have to repeat a grade, I was moved into seventh grade, where I continued to excel because you go to school to learn the material to pass the tests. And so academically, there were never really any problems, except school is much more than academics. When you're 11 years old, going into seventh grade, everyone looks at you a little funny. And then at church, when junior high and high school are combined into one big youth group, all these teenagers wonder why there's a child in there with them. And then when you have your 18th birthday and you're halfway through your first semester of college, even the professors comment that you're a young'un. So you grow up with this idea that while you might be just as smart or smarter or more accomplished than those around you, you're kind of the runt of the litter. You're the young kid, the one that doesn't quite fit in here, but we have to put up with him because, you know, he's at that grade level. And then as an adult, 
many of us don't really know how old each other are. So some of my peers might be 10 or more years younger than I am, but without just saying, hey, how old are you, we're kind of lumped into the same category. And despite knowing that I'm probably older than most of these people that I do business with and interact on a daily or weekly basis, I still have this idea in the back of my mind that I'm younger and I don't really belong here. But my parents said I could do anything and I could accomplish whatever I wanted. I was going places. So now at 40 years old, I wonder when I am going those places. When will I accomplish all these great things? When do I get to be anything or do whatever I want? Because it's a bit frustrating to be given all these praises, but then feel like there's a large gap of knowledge missing. A gap that I can see, but I don't really know what's there. And so the best I can do is just mimic what other people around me do and hope for the best. So uh, a couple more things. I mentioned a resource earlier. I'm going to close that loop off for you. The book is called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. It has a ton of great insights into how our minds work and how we process information. Some of it relates to business, but there is an entire section on parenting. And it's a good one that will help anyone out there, whether they're interacting with their kids or with other people. And I think a bulk of humans do at least some sort of interaction with other people. Some of us might not like it, but we do it. So I'll close this off. I have a quote here that I'm going to read off from uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut wrote a bunch of books back in like the 60s and 70s. Most famous is Slaughterhouse-Five. You might recognize the name. I believe some of the, his books have turned into movies. I don't know where this quote came from. It popped up on my newsfeed recently. It says, when I was 15, I spent a month working on an archaeological dig. I was talking with one of the archaeologists one day during our lunch break, and he asked the, those kind of get-to-know-you questions that you ask young people. Do you play sports? What's your favorite subject? And I told him, no, I don't play any sports. I do theater. I'm in choir. I play the piano and the violin. I used to take art classes. And he went, wow, that's amazing. And I said, oh, no, but I'm not any good at any of them. And then he said something that I will never forget, which absolutely blew my mind, because no one has ever said anything like it before. It says, I don't think being good at things is the point of doing them. I think you've got all these wonderful experiences with different skills, and that all teaches you things and makes you an interesting person, no matter how well you do them. And that honestly changed my life, because I went from a failure, someone who did things uh, someone who hadn't been talented enough at anything to excel, to someone who did things because I enjoyed them. I had been raised in such an achievement-oriented environment, so inundated with the myth of talent, that I thought it was the only that it was only worth doing things if you could win at them. Something to keep in mind as we're looking at our young kids grow up and participating in things with other people. Sometimes it's okay just to do things because you enjoy them, not because you're trying to become the best at them. Today you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. If it feels right, then it must be left. 
Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Please join that Facebook community. Feel free to ask any questions you have over there. Remember that most left of normals get confused when the praise that they're given doesn't automatically mean that they'll excel at everything they try. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.